welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast. There are film and television adaptations and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumlipstay-Sequatin territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequatin-Ulu. And today's text, XO Kitty, has no territorial acknowledgement because we're jetting off to Seoul, South Korea, Joe. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I liked about the show because at least it felt a little bit different visually. Yes, and it really is located in place and space in an interesting way. I know when two people are meant for each other. I felt it for Lara Jean and Peter. Hi. And I feel it for me and Day. The Korean Independent School of Seoul, the school mom went to, is the same one Day goes to. I applied to KISS and I got in. Did I just let my youngest daughter go to Korea to have sex with her boyfriend? No. Maybe. family here? No, just my boyfriend. I can't wait to surprise him. You're better than the man I knew. I'm looking for a day. So you're the pen pal? Yo, day. Kitty, I, I need to tell you something. Kitty? This is day. My boyfriend. What is happening? What? i never seen a girl crash into a dessert tower before? This isn't all about a boy. I'm ready to start experiencing new things. I want my own adventure. To new experiences. Your aggressive perkiness may have charmed back home, but here you'll need to put in more work. I'd be happy to offer you a ride to the airport. Hard pass. You'll have the love of your life 20 feet away from you. Don't blow that. Came here to have new experiences and live your life. Think of all the possibilities. They say go big or go home, right? So, Exo Kitty, uh, this is set in the world of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Obviously, it's following the youngest sister, Kitty, played by Anna Cathcart. And this comes to us from showrunners Jenny Han, who actually wrote all of those books, as well as Sasha Rothschild. And I think before we go any further, Bretto, we should acknowledge that we do have a very special guest today. Yeah, it's been weird that you haven't acknowledged it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, Jenny. We're excited to welcome back Jenny Nolf. Yes, Jenny Nolf, not Jenny Han. <laughs> Still a great Too Jenny. Too many Jennies. You're like, Still hi, a great Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Jenny Han. Oh, sorry. Tone of the show takes a turn. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I would have to censor myself a little bit. Welcome, Jenny. Um, I'm excited that you're here because, as we were saying before we started recording, there's definitely like a range of perspectives here. I think you enjoyed the series a lot. Joe uh, wanted to put pins in his eyeballs, and I fall mm -hmm. somewhere in between. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jenny, I'm curious, what is your experience with either the books or the films leading up to Exo Kitty? Okay, yeah. So Jenny Han was one of my favorite YA authors when I was like, 
moving on, I guess, to more adult fiction. Uh, like she was like mm-hmm. the last one that I felt like I bulldozed through all of her books. Uh, nice. I read The Summer I Turned Pretty when I was like on a vacation in Europe for like two weeks. I read all three of the books. And Ooh. then, yeah, I got really excited when All the Boys came out and I waited book to book. It's like the last series I genuinely like waited for books to come out and I got them the first week, I think, actually. Mm. I don't read as much anymore, so that might be very telling of me. But um, love the movies. So I was nervous about Exo Kitty because I... I do not like the Summer I Turned Pretty series. I have a lot of complaints about it. Obviously, this is not the show for that. But (laughs) I think that Jenny Han got... She became a better showrunner with Exo Kitty for me. I I think she Mm. saw a lot of the things she did wrong with the Summer I Turned Pretty and figured it out a little bit more. That's interesting. Yeah, we have plans to cover the show before its season two premiere next month. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back, Brenna. You and I liked the book series we liked the films there's obviously some minor quibbles with them i can unequivocally say that kitty was never your favorite character i loathe kitty's character (laughs) in the books i find her grating in the movies even more so so when they were like to all the boys spinoff i was like oh yay that sounds great can't wait and then they were like starring kitty and i was like cool i never want to watch this and then joe was like programming it (laughs) to be fair i put it on twitter and jenny was like oh we should definitely talk about that and then a bunch of other listeners chimed in and said no we would like you to talk about that so that's how we're here yeah but some of them were like we want you to talk about that because brenna already sounds annoyed which is not the same thing as we want you to talk about that because we're excited for the series, listeners. <laughs> I know the difference. <laughs> I have to say, in the end, Joe ended up being the one tortured. But yes, I will give a plot summary, Joe. Okay. <laughs> so this series opens. It's centered on Kitty Covey. In the third film and book, but m- way more in the film, we have Kitty who has developed a long distance relationship with a boy named Day after their family vacation in Korea. He has exactly 23 seconds of screen time, I think, in that film. Um, And then throughout the the third film, Kitty's always texting this boy. She has questions about how do you know how you feel about a boy? This is like, that's the sort of central plot line for Kitty through that third movie. Mm -hmm. So with the spinoff, we get to find out. Kitty finds her way into the Korean International School of Seoul, which isn't, I know that it's just so that the acronym can be KISS, you guys, Mm -hmm. but the Korean International School of Seoul is a really strange name (laughs) for a school, like both the country (laughs) and the city. Anyway, um, so Kitty gets this scholarship and it's really exciting because it's also the school that her mom went to. And of course, one of the overarching themes of the To All the Boys series is girls growing up in the shadow of their mother's death. And for Mm -hmm. For Kitty, it's a big deal because as the youngest, she really never feels like she knew her mom in any kind of way that she meaningfully remembers. And so right. it's the excitement of going to this thing that belonged to her mother and none of her sisters have experienced it. It's just going to be hers. So it's not just chasing a boy across the planet, which would be insufferable. It's also <laughs> this idea of connecting to her heritage and her mother and having these experiences. So that's the frame of the show she arrives in Korea, and of course, Day has a girlfriend. Or does he? No, he doesn't. It's a fake relationship. But he can't tell her. Why can't he? Not entirely clear. Drags on for the entire series. 
but eventually they sort of get together and then they sort of break up and there are other characters who are far more interesting and who I hope we spend more time talking about the end wow (laughs) (laughs) the end (laughs) yeah so we we've got a lot of traditional romantic comedy conventions here right it's a bunch of people who are in love with other people but they can't say anything and then circumstances or contrivances prevent them from speaking their minds and i'll be honest i think that was one of the things that frustrated me the most in all of the books and the movies there was usually one big thing that someone couldn't tell somebody else and it would have just cleared the whole air and it's very typical whereas with this series it felt like Every single character has at least a moment, if not an entire story arc, if not entire seasons of just being like, or you could just quickly say, hey, this is a fake relationship. Hey, I'm gay. Hey, that's my girlfriend. Like so many different opportunities. And that was really what started to bog me down with the show. Yeah, so just to give a more fleshed out outline of those characters, (laughs) our central figure obviously is Kitty and She's chasing Day, but Day is in a fake relationship with Yuri, which is to sort of obscure the fact that she is actually in love with Juliana and doesn't feel like she can come out because of her parents' perceptions about queerness, but also about the family and the family stature. Her family is extremely wealthy. At the same time, we have Q, who is out and pursuing a boy, but that whole thing gets mired in a cheating scandal not cheating Mm. relationally but cheating on an exam which apparently is the worst thing that anybody can do in this in this tv series entirely about lies (laughs) jenny i want to hear from you about this just before we move on because i wondered if this was a not quite lost in translation storyline, but, you know, there's one big piece in about the middle of the season where the students get in a lot of trouble because they've been partying with alcohol, and apparently that's a huge cultural no-no. Would cheating be another one of those cultural issues that North Americans, we all just kind of brush off, but in Korea it would be like, what? I mean, yes, but it is a bit strange because Q's character isn't necessarily South Korean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's not. And my favorite line in the entire series is Q saying, I'm a student athlete. We don't cheat. (laughs) That Uh was great. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Also, what sport does he play? Because we never see him play anything. What sport does he play other than running around the woods? I mean, sport. Actually, so one of the parts I did like was when Kitty was like, I just don't think that's a good, like, show of character. And I was like, okay, she's making good points. But, like, everyone else just seems to be, like, kind of crazy. (laughs) But she's the only one that's like, oh, no, it just shows that he has bad character. Maybe you don't want to date him. But it is funny that, like, that's the line, right? Because literally everybody has spent the entire series lying to each other. (laughs) And then this is the thing that shows bad character, not all the other lies. I just found it kind of interesting. I mean, I did love how Q throws that back in her face. He's like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really like that. Q is my favorite character. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that Q, who we've encountered on the show before, because he he was on Love, Victor. So this is Anthony K. Van. And... He is a bit of a breath of fresh air on the show, if only because he is often a truth teller, like he kind of says it like it is. 
but not in a grating way like the other roommate that Kitty ends up having to bunk down with, which would be... Minho. Yeah, who was played by Sang Hyung Lee. And I don't think that this actor is great in terms of like line deliveries. And I found that this character was exceedingly annoying. Well, it's a very shallow characterization. So Minho's whole thing is that his mom is a celebrity and his parents are super, well, his mom is super wealthy, Mm -hmm. his dad as well, but it's really his mom he idolizes and he finds them all these opportunities through his mom's fame. But he's also supposed to be like the slutty character who gets with all the girls, but who, of course, has a change of heart because of one particular girl and then realizes he's actually in love with Kitty. Mm-hmm. But it's to me, it's the least well articulated of the characters. He's the least complicated, and I think that's probably part of part of what doesn't work for me. But also, yeah, that it's just a lot of really cringy line delivery, often from Minho, unfortunately, and often, unfortunately for that character, when he is having a rare sort of emotional moment, it's when it's the least watchable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I knew from the moment that character got on screen, I was like, oh, man, he's going to fall in love with Kitty and I'm going to hate this man. (laughs) The show telegraphs everything, though. This is definitely a show that is not trusting the viewer to put pieces together. Everything gets telegraphed so extensively throughout. And that's one really good example. It's like, of course, of course. (laughs) Well, I wondered about this, too, you know. We mentioned I did not really like this very much. And part of my struggle as I made my way through the 10 episodes was I think I'm just very much the wrong audience for this. Like I felt very old in my inability to relate to these aren't teenagers, right? They almost feel like middle graders in some ways, like the the extent of their problems, their inability to communicate, their overreactions, it all felt very, very young to me. That's an interesting way to put it, because I kept thinking that this is like the most teenage anyone's ever felt on a show, <laughs> because they were all so dumb. And I was just like, yeah, no, th- these are all teenagers. <laughs> I believe it 100%. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like to pride myself on being generous to teenagers. And maybe it's just that, yeah, I've been watching adults masquerading as teenagers in too much Hollywood fare. But yeah, this this just felt so frustrating to me. Like the characters' decisions and the story arcs, they felt so artificial. And then every once in a while, there would be a kind of genuine moment. Like I found the chemistry between Kitty and Yuri as the series progressed to be one of the more interesting, kind of emotionally resonant arcs. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more of that, but the show just wants to play it for contrivances like, oh, well, this is why Kenny needs to break up with Day because he overreacts and she thinks that she might be bisexual or pan. Yeah. In general, did you guys feel like the chemistry was kind of all over the place on the show? Like, I have to say that for me, the best chemistry is between Anna Cathcart and Peter Thurnwald, which is awkward for the two episodes where you think they might be brother and sister. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, first off, he's a 29 year old man. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that also. I mean, she's also. Yeah, no, but that's a problem, right? It's a right. problem to me that in no way does he feel like a teacher. And I get they play mm-hmm. it like, oh, I'm not an authority figure. But like, he also feels like he could date literally any one of the characters on the show. 
to the point that I thought that's where we were maybe heading. Because you're right, I definitely felt that chemistry too. Oh, same. Like the minute he showed up on screen, I was like, who is this teacher? Get away from that child. (laughs) (laughs) It could also be that he's extremely attractive. He's so handsome. (laughs) He's really handsome. Yeah. But to be clear, he is a faculty member who is there from Australia teaching for the semester because he's secretly an adopted child and he's there to find his birth parents. His birth parents, of course, being the principal and the English teacher. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite subplots. (laughs) I think actually, and I said this to Joe, like, I think part of what didn't work for me in the show and maybe why it falls off for me, because I did really enjoy the first couple of episodes. I felt very Mm -hmm. sucked into the world. I really enjoyed kind of the like frothiness. But there was something about contrivance, I guess, is the word that you've used, Joe. And I think it's an apt one. Like, it often felt to me like with the exception of Jenny Han, it felt like like a whole bunch of white people deciding to like write a K-drama and their perception of a K-drama is just like a lot of silly goofy things happen with no context. Like it really felt as the series went on that the sh- the show was less and less invested in meaningful motivations, characters having sort of sensical arcs and much more interested in things just being silly and goofy and fun and like i kept thinking back to watching orange marmalade joe and how Mm -hmm. how much more invested i was in those characters even though we watched a relatively tiny segment of it compared to here we've watched the whole thing and i felt much less invested in the characters and i'm kind of trying to pinpoint why like i think this wants to tap into the k-dram and k-pop market and like they'll cash in to this particular moment without Mm -hmm. really understanding why those tropes work so well. At least that's my perception as someone who doesn't have a huge amount of familiarity. Um, I actually felt like it was not necessarily them trying to tap into that market, but Jenny Han trying to like mesh things that she enjoys about K-dramas into her style of writing. Okay. And like meshing, like kind of like marrying a K-drama to a teen, like a U.S. teen drama. Um, I loved all like the silly nods to K-dramas. And I also felt like there's a lot of cultural stuff. Like the adoption stuff is actually extremely poignant to me because it is a huge thing in South Korea where a lot of like people were adopted to other countries. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And I think it's very fascinating to like have that arc for a character and have it not be as deathly serious because mm. a lot of the times they tend to be like very like dramatic and and I, I thought it was kind of like nice to do a, like a little playful angle on it also side note i do think that professor lee and the principal had like the most chemistry on this show mm. oh interesting that's fair i was like every time they were together i was like okay yes give it to me um <laughs> i did like them D- to be honest there's so few adult figures on the tv show that when I don't know who Michael Cayley is. I, I was trying to figure out if I knew him from anything else. Uh, obviously, I recognize Yen Jin Kim from Lost, where she mm-hmm. played Sun. So I immediately just kind of gravitated to those characters because they they did feel more mature. And I was like, oh, age appropriate. Maybe this is why I'm relating to them. <laughs> but also, I just kind of enjoy the complexity of two people who went to high school together who have to pretend like they didn't have a fling and like one of them mm-hmm. has to like hide the fact that they had their baby. Right. I understand why they have to hide the baby. I don't understand why they have to hide the fact of the relationship ever. Is it not the controlling husband? 
Is that why? I mean, None of this maybe was particularly it's a bit undercooked. I wish we could have gotten a bit more backstory about how the show almost wants to make Gina's husband a really controlling evil kind of figure, like as much evil as you can be on a TV show like this. Mm -hmm. But he's so peripheral and he yeah. doesn't really have a huge impact. It ends up making her look like a bit of a villain until you understand where she's coming from. But like, again, I really like the scene where she and Yuri finally come together. And she mm -hmm. says, you know, I was just trying to protect you because I didn't want you to have the same kind of experience I had where I was a teenage pregnant girl and I had to give up my boyfriend and lie and I lost everything. And I was like, oh, this is actually really good, genuine stuff. It's just that it's surrounded by too much of the kind of bubblegum stuff that felt too artificial. Maybe so. I mean, do you think that's a trapping of the 30 minute long sitcom mm. versus like it being an hour long show? It could very much be that because I went into this thinking that there were eight episodes and that they were going to be longer, like 36 to 44 kind of minutes. And I was glad when it ended up being shorter because some of these episodes are punchy and mm -hmm. there is fun stuff. I think visually there's some good stuff working in here. But yeah, it is hard when the cast is this big and everyone has a romantic subplot and yeah. we're balancing at least two to three major arcs over the 10 episodes. So you could be right, Jenny. I think they're trying to do too much within the form, though. I think that's part of it. Like, I wanted to know more about almost all of these characters than I got. Like, I'm fascinated by Day's home life, and we get such tiny snippets mm. of it. I think his sister would have been a fun character to explore more, particularly more interesting than, like, Min Ho, for example, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I think in general, if they had focused more on fewer of these storylines and given us... um yeah, just given us richer characters in general, I think I would have appreciated it more because I really did like a lot of what I was watching and really wanted to feel more connected to the characters by the end of the series. Like I wanted that emotional climax between between the principal and Alex and Yuri and Professor Lee. Like I wanted that to have more oomph, but I mm -hmm. kind of didn't care anymore by the time we got there. And I think it's just because there's so much happening in the series as a whole that um, it's hard to really f have any of those storylines fleshed out fully. I think that's a fair assessment. I do think there's like slightly too many characters. And I think yes. Mean Hall is like maybe the easiest. Like he... He's gone. Bye. Not, not to like rag on <laughs> that character a little bit more. Like I liked him in theory, but mm -hmm. I think by adding Yuri into the mix and Kitty mm -hmm. being, you know, bi or pan or fluid... Which I do, I want to go back eventually and like go forward mm -hmm. and like, I'd love that journey for her. And I love that that's a yes. central character's journey versus a side mm -hmm. character. But um, yeah, Minho just like, he adds too much stuff. Like he's the mean guy. He's his, his like uh, arc is so obvious. And then mm -hmm. when Kitty's not even like into him, it just makes things overly complicated where it's like for a 29 to like 30 minute episode, it's just tough to have that kind of character in it and like just squeezed in. It is, mm -hmm. and the show also makes some weird decisions around, like, focus. Like, the the classic example for me of this is the episode where they're going on the trip, uh, like yes. the school trip. It's going to be a school camping trip. And then at the last minute, there's, like, this disaster, and Madison 
does this like celebrity thing with Min Which Ho's is a character help, we've not even talked about. Which is a character we've not talked about. When so they end up like helping this part of the country after a flood instead. And it's like, all of that is fine, but why not just That could have been the back half of the season. And in like a microcosm way, you could have scrapped the first six minutes where we were packing for the camping trip. You know, like Mm -hmm. if we weren't ever going to get to the camping trip, we didn't need any of that. You could have just started with, oh, Madison found out about this flood and we're going to go help for some reason. And there's a lot of that in the show. Like they spend time setting things up for very little payoff in a show that has so little space to move. I I found that frustrating because I just needed them to focus a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And even sort of slam dunk ideas like that camping trip where you're effectively locking all of your characters into a confined space so that you can break open those conflicts and get some of those misunderstandings on the table or create new ones. It feels like that primarily exists so that we can have this Madison character who is she's an American who's the daughter of like millionaires and um it's the other hotel empire right that they're trying to merge with yeah they're trying to merge them together which is another subplot which just uh, it's there but it feels like it's only there to reinforce why day needs to keep faking with Yuri and so on well and it's also a confusing framework because the Millers are supposed to be super socially conservative Americans, which is why the whole thing with Yuri at the beginning has to be like under, like they have to fix it really fast. And the thing about the dad fighting with his employees has to be smoothed over because apparently like conservative Christian business people don't abuse their employees. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, th- this whole, that whole thing doesn't make any sense with Madison's character which I guess she's just rebelling against the family. But again, it's just like, it's one layer too many of intrigue. We just needed to peel back some of the intrigue a wee bit. Mm -hmm. I felt like the more successful version of this was our riff on The Breakfast Club, where everybody gets the Saturday detention after they're discovered to have been partying with underage drinking happening. And... I felt like that episode was one of the more successful ones because we actually got to spend time with people in different kind of configurations, but there were also opportunities for romantic pairings to go off behind the stacks. And then we had this kind of fun, slightly heisty vibe to the affair where Madison said, you know, oh, I've done this a million times. Let me tell you how it works. Kids who want to play cards go here. People who want to make out go behind the stacks and all this other stuff. And it it felt like it had a better handle on that K-Dram slash American teen show where it was giving soapy, it was giving frothy, but we were still kind of moving forward some of these various subplots. That was also my favorite episode. It's very manic in a way that I enjoyed very much. And I was thinking when I was watching it, Joe, that someday we should do a super cut episode of this show where we just talk about Breakfast Club episodes. <laughs> Ironic since we've never talked about the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Joe, one day. There we go. Yeah. I wanted to say I loved this episode, too, because I think this was the one where I was like, I I really enjoy the Kitty and Yuri exploration. And I was like, this is where I feel like the show, like, won me over a little bit. It was the episode prior when she, like, looks at her on the stage, but this was the one that followed it. 
where mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, this rules. And I love the idea that their moms are like interconnected and you don't really know their mom's backstories because Kitty's mom passed away before she could really know her. And, and Gina is kind of a bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. <laughs> and so it's like, great. I, I thought it was interesting. And I like the idea that like, because usually when you have this, it's obviously more of a like a straight narrative and i like the idea that it's more of a queer narrative and i think it's like really it's so that's the that's the meat of it that's the meat of this series is that Mm -hmm. is their relationship i think yeah and i think the series doesn't realize it until too late yes yeah like as soon as i introduce there there's a funny moment where minho has a sex dream about kitty at the same time as kitty has a sex dream about yuri and i thought okay that's that's kind of fun because it's exactly what we expect with minho and it's not exactly what we expect with kitty but it works because it's happening at the same time and of course we get to be like oh sex dreams don't mean anything right yeah definitely right because i had one about you you had one about the other person you don't like but i think among the teenagers the two characters who have the best chemistry is actually Yuri and Kitty. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it made sense for them to start going there. And then we just didn't get far enough by the end of the 10 episodes. Yeah, I was really disappointed. They cut it off at the very end. I knew it was going to happen because it's that's how it always happens. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, now I have to wait until season two who appears like what? One and a half years on my Netflix account. <laughs> Probably. Damn yeah, because we've not even we've not even talked about the fact that Yuri has her secret girlfriend who she spends the whole season planning to try to go on a secret Iceland trip so that they can finally be together. And then it gets worked out between Yuri and her mom so that we can bring Juliana back from the UK. And I was just like, oh man, show, you already have too many characters. We've seen Mm -hmm. this girl a couple of times on a kind of Skype, Zoom, Facebook kind of video app. But to now actually bring her back, that is just another character that we don't know. And frankly, I don't care about. Cut her out. (laughs) This is a troublesome plotline for another reason, though. And it's something I texted Joe about. I was like, Joe, they have to keep finding excuses for Kitty to not be able to talk to her family. Because obviously Mm -hmm. they couldn't afford her family. So it's like... (laughs) We constantly have this. So now we've got a plot line where Margot is actually the centerpiece in getting Juliana and Yuri connected again mm-hmm. without us ever getting without to ever see Margot or like communicate with her no in any way. Sense. And it's like every episode about the adoption thing where Q's like, have you talked to your sisters yet? And Kitty's got to come up with another excuse for why she hasn't called her <laughs> sisters. No, because we can't afford Lana Condor anymore. <laughs> it's in many ways, this show, I think, actually suffers from the attempts to keep that connection alive. Like, mm-hmm. this could have just been a different show. And I know that, you know, I know it's Jenny Han's character. And I know that there's a certain amount of cachet and how successful those films were. But it begins to feel more like an absence than a value add as the series progresses. And we we get like, I don't even remember the dad's name. I just call him Aiden from Sex and the City. We get him twice. And otherwise, we don't <laughs> get any of them. And it does feel somewhat unfinished or disconnected that this keeps happening. Okay, that actually was like... <sighs> So it's funny that you said you liked the first three episodes. I did not like the first three episodes. I was like, oh, I might agree with Joe. (laughs) Because I thought like in the first episode when she's like at the airport emailing her sisters, I was like, hold on, wait, stop. I was like, she got into this school and a week later she's emailing her sisters from the airport. And then she's like following up with another email. I was like, end this. (laughs) Come on. 
Well, it's not believable with the characters at all, right? They're like so close and they spend the entirety, part of the problem, of course, is that they spend the entirety of the To All the Boys movies video chatting with Margot. Mm-hmm. Like she's never far from their phones. So the right. fact that all of a sudden they apparently can't communicate anymore except by email is weird and unsettling. I, I could not figure out if we were trying to recreate the letters that are so important oh. into all the boys, but it doesn't feel like that was the intent. It was it very much felt like what you two were talking about. We just could not get these two actresses back, so we have to pretend. <laughs> It starts to feel like a Marvel movie, right? Where it's like, oh, this world ending thing is happening. Why can't we bring in superhero X? It's like, uh, they're in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> they're in outer space London. <laughs> um, but actually, that is a good point, too, because I, okay, Minho, you mentioned the dream sequence, which I think was actually very clever. Mm-hmm. The one character that I think you could actually cut out of this show that had to be in it to make it make sense is day like yeah cut oh, him boy. out like minho as predictable as his arc is like it's the kind of character you need in this yeah, show right it, it still makes sense it's yeah it's boring but also like it's only weird because day exists already mm-hmm. that makes sense it it it's a does. Left square. I feel like the other issue with Day is that I, I know I came down on Sang Hyung Lee, but I actually think that Min Young Choi, the actor who plays Day, he's too much of a blank slate. So he mm. doesn't feel like a boy that girls would be fighting over or that people would feel. I don't, maybe that's being very mean, oh, but no. I was just like, this is your lead love interest. And I found him just. He's nice. He's kind of charming and cute, but he's also just so bland. Yeah, I'm not buying him. I'm not buying him as like a huge love interest. Like I, I, I tried, but I mean, <laughs> Minho is at least hot and cannot be in funny scenes like the, like the IBS scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. pretty funny. That's a very huge K drama scene, by the way. I was like, I cannot okay. believe they pulled one of these. I was like, I didn't think that they would, it would translate like over or they would try. The amount of times I've seen that in a movie. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was just like, this show has a thing with poop. <laughs> so do a lot of Korean rom-coms. Okay. Like, I was like, here it is, finally. <laughs> <laughs> We've arrived at the lactose intolerant IBS scene. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's totally a thing. Like, a lot of, like, I think, like, uh, Architecture 101 was, like, the first one I watched where, like, it starts off with, like, a scene like that. <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, this is just a whole, this is what they think is funny. (laughs) And I'm like, and that's fair. It is kind of funny, actually. Sure. Yeah, that was actually one of the other episodes I thought was pretty strong was the Korean equivalent of Thanksgiving where all of the expats stay and we cook a big meal. It's the closest we get to Kitty actually connecting with Minho. And Mm -hmm. they also have okay chemistry when we're not trying to elevate the tone to complete farce so watching them have to negotiate being in the kitchen together and then also obviously seeing alex interact with lee and try not to spoil that like there was some decent stuff in that episode as well i think the fact that the episodes we're pointing to as being the strongest are all effectively bottle episodes or episodes Mm -hmm. where the characters are sort of 
very constrained really speaks to the fact that the larger problem of the show is one of bloat, too many plot lines, too many characters, too much messiness. Um, mm-hmm. Because when they are forced to scale down into specific contexts and specific frameworks, the relationships between the characters work well. And usually those are the episodes where we learn enough backstory to connect. Um, it's mm-hmm. just that in the other episodes, when you've got an A, B, C, D, and E plot line in a 25-minute episode, <laughs> weirdly, we lose some of the connection there. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it is those episodes that made me just like, I was, I wouldn't say like this episode, like this series is like a four out of five, like it's going to be in my top 10 of the year. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's so charming to me. I don't know. I admittedly was won over with Kitty's sexuality. Right eventual it'll be like more overarching but it was like kind of like more towards the end i don't know because i felt really related to that because as someone that like kind of not kind of that identifies as bisexual i was like i never see that and i never see that Mm -hmm. like kind of struggle where it's like oh yeah i have a crush on a woman and i don't understand it because i also like have a crush on a man like it just it's 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 a nice push pull that i thought at the very least was handled extremely well with a lot of delicacy and a lot of like heart I liked it in the way that Kitty handles it, in the way that her dad handles it Mm. with that very endearing phone call. You know, I think that was sort of a pitch perfect moment. It felt very evocative of the books and the films. That was probably the most to all the boys moment in the whole series. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's just because it's John Corbett and we've got that emotional through line back to the previous text. Well, and we've praised his dadliness on the show before. He's a very good TV dad and it was nice to see him get another moment of it. Mm-hmm. The element that I didn't like about the handling of Kitty's, whatever we want to call it, she hasn't defined it. So her her exploration of sexuality, I hated that it got turned into the reason for her breakup yes. with Day. Mm-hmm. Because it felt hyper escalated, like we were running out of time. I think this is episode maybe eight. And it felt like the show didn't want to spend the time on it because they had a billion other storylines to wrap up. But I hated that it was like this really interesting thing where, as you said, Jenny, it's, oh, I have this crush on this girl. I don't know quite what to do with it because I'm also in a relationship with this guy. And instead of being able to unpack it, it's just day turns into a dick and they end up breaking things off. And then that's what the story becomes. It's less about Kitty and her interest in Yuri, you know, we still get that that nice moment at the airport, which I did think worked. But overall, it felt like the show saying we have to put a pin in this until next season. And then also we're going to sit Kitty next to Minho on the plane ride back to Los Angeles. <laughs> Just no. I admittedly was really disappointed by that particular so plot twist. I was like, oh, yeah, you don't drop and I love you to somebody on when you're going to be stuck on a plane for 14 hours with them. Like, no, no. No, What a psychotic. I was like, oh my God. I texted Joe and I was like, who drops that at the beginning of a trans-Pacific flight? Who are these Mm -mm. people? (laughs) Nightmare. Nightmare. Like that, you're forced to sit by her. What if she didn't feel the same way? You just made her wildly uncomfortable for a whole plane ride. Also, Mm -hmm. the thing I was more interested in was who is Simon? (laughs) right it's like oh my god who's simon tell me more (sighs) except what if we now introduce another character next season because i i we're recording this in advance of the show actually coming out and we haven't seen what the reviews look like i have a feeling this will probably get 
middle to maybe less than favorable reviews, but I do think that audiences will probably quite like this. I would be surprised if we don't get a second season, and I'll be curious to know if we do pare down some of these characters or if we just continue to add new people like Simon or Juliana. Well, the thing I didn't like about that as the cliffhanger ending is that it makes it feel like season two is just going to roll back season one again, right? So like mm-hmm. the beginning of season one is we have a boy that we're interested in and we want to find out about our mom's love interest from this tape, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the opening salvo. Right. And then we end season one with a boy, different boy. And why is her face so curious? You know what I mean? Like, it, it becomes, like, <laughs> this is now my interest. I'm giving up the Yuri plotline all of a sudden. And we've got another love interest for mom that we're going to chase. And I was just like, mm-hmm. often I really like a cyclical plotline, but I, I didn't. I did not like that at all. Oh, I did not read her face as curious about Minho. I read it as uncomfortable. Oh. Oh, interesting. I felt like they deliberately staged it so it could go either way. Like, yeah. hey, Anna Cathcart play it so that we could interpret this in five different ways depending on where the writer's room wants to take it next season it was very for me it was very the door from love victor remember oh my god the door it is i do remember that (laughs) (laughs) drove me crazy right and you know who is in that who know who's on one of those doors raheem raheem Raheem. (laughs) please let it be raheem oh it's not raheem We are all disappointed collectively. Everyone. Everyone. (laughs) So true. So, okay. Let's follow this along then. So to to maybe wrap up our discussion, in a hypothetical season two, where do you think they'll take it and what would you like to see? I don't want to see the Min Hall plotline happen at all. I want to see (laughs) Kitty continue to explore her sexuality. I think the only reason to break up with Day is if she's going to go out and explore, right? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't like the framing of, I've realized I'm bisexual and therefore I must immediately break up with my boyfriend because I think that's no. like, that's it's disingenuous. Yeah, and it's quite troublesome. So I actually, if they're going to make that be the cascade, then I want her to go and actually explore. I don't actually care about her mom at all anymore even though i started the series just wanting the mom backstory so i kind of don't care about this simon thing although i know they're gonna have to figure it out um and yeah so i guess i want to see more yuri i want to see kitty get to explore her sexuality a little bit i want to see fewer of almost everyone else in the show (laughs) so i do want to see kitty and yuri as well but I also wanted to say, I, I want Gina to leave her nasty husband, who sucks. Right. Oh, fair point. I want that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want her to start up a relationship with Professor Lee again, because sure. I-, I thought he was very hot too. I was like, I was so attracted to that musician man. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there could be a lot of fun plotline in the unraveling of Professor Lee. Like, he's so yeah, straight-laced. he's so tight. So, he's so tightly wound up. Getting to see that unravel, I will, I, will give you, I will give you that, Jenny. I would enjoy that. That's a character I'm willing to watch again. <laughs> yeah. Like, how fun would it be to have a bottle episode where the kids are, like, doing their thing, and then the adults all have to go to, like, an open mic night, and they come across <laughs> Professor Lee you know, getting back to his musical roots or something. <laughs> I wanted 
I'm willing it into existence. When writer's <laughs> rooms come back, please listen to this episode <laughs> for ideas. Uh, yeah, no, I want to see that. I Yeah, Minho, the plotline, I hope that it's like a write-off in the first episode because they realize all the fans were not into it. And they're like, yeah, she just said no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we, we move on with our lives. And yeah, I want more. I want more Q and kitty time. Mm-hmm. Way more time. Q. Yeah, more more Q. It's tough because part of me is like, let's just get rid of the peripheral characters, right? Like, let's get rid of Madison. Let's get rid of Juliana. Maybe even let's get rid of Florian. I like Q's relationship with him, but then the cheating stuff just. I don't know. It felt like it came out of nowhere when we were already trying to wrap things up. And part of me is like, okay, well, you could just send him back to Greece or France. Oh my god! As much as I like this character, Joe, (laughs) (laughs) you want him to live in? in I don't want him to live a closeted (laughs) life. I mean, (laughs) you're like, go back to Greece. (laughs) It's more like let's put a pin in almost all of these storylines so that we can just focus on, you know. Who are the main characters of the actual show? Yeah. Like, it should be Kitty, it should be Day, it should be Yuri, it should be Minho. Oh, sorry, and Q. So, like, let's focus on those five people. And maybe that just means a little less romance, if we're being honest. Like, not quite as many romantic entanglements. Like, I thought we were going to get a bunch of Kitty doing fish out of water stuff, but mm-hmm. it's mostly just her unable to deal with her her roommate being a gamer who live streams all the time and i was like okay that feels not interesting but at least it is culturally relevant but it doesn't go into anything it's just oh she throws tissues on my bed ew nasty yeah it is nasty nasty. (laughs) but i didn't love that plot line it was it sort of felt i mean it was obviously there for the convenience of getting her back into the boys dorm Mm -hmm. and i okay but it didn't really work for me um I mean, next season, they're obviously going to put Kitty and Yuri in a dorm together, right? Or Kitty and Juliana. Oh, that's it. Right. Or the three of them so that we can just... Which, again, it's like, okay, that could be fine. Like, give me the boys' dorm, give me the girls' dorm, and then put them into kind of bottle episodes where they have to go to a function together and Kitty can lose her balance around cupcakes or Q can catch the eye of a a cute boy and something, something. Like, I think just keeping the plot a little bit more narrowly focused and letting it play out like if you've got 10 episodes then only have a couple of arcs instead of 20 you know joe when you said like maybe a little bit less romance i think you're right i know that the show is a romance obviously Mm -hmm. it's romantic comedy i get that but i also think you know they spend so much time on the plot lines around kitty's mother none of which pay off in relation Mm -mm. to Kitty's mom, right? Like, we do get the adoption storyline, but that ends up not even involving Kitty (laughs) at all, as it turns out. Um, And so, you know, I think that if the show can streamline itself and figure out which characters are most important and let Kitty do some of that self-discovery around her mom, like the reason she actually went to Korea in the first place, because what she ends up with is a tree, right? She finds the tree, but like not much else. <laughs> I would love to see her continue to explore that. I, 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 as much as I said, like I didn't care by the end, I wanted to care. Like I want to still care about the mom character, and so I think if they can streamline it and forego a little bit of romance to allow Kitty a little bit more growth and development, I think that would be good. You know, Lori Jean gets to grow and develop a lot over her three movies, so maybe we need to let Kitty do the same not always in relation to a romantic interest. I like mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, because I just want to see kids being silly and then playing detective. Yeah, the detective <laughs> stuff is actually really fun. Like when they're creeping around Professor Lee's house, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've given season two its marching orders. Now they know exactly <laughs> what they need to do. <laughs> I know that all the striking writers are spending their time listening to Canadian podcasts about their shows. So <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's wrap up there then. Are we bingoing? Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, so why bingo? Jenny, Joe always makes me let the guests go first because otherwise I bulldoze, so you should start. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, dead body, dead family. <laughs> there we yes. go. Then also holiday, prom, or wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, hollow romances. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And is Netflix connection count for this oh one? absolutely it totally does this is their property through and through okay great and then uh does queer secondary character count yep okay i would say so yeah yeah for q if nothing else yeah that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. okay okay i'm gonna go with female director or screenwriter mm-hmm. so we have uh, examples of both um i am going to go for borrowed time we have in two sort of ways one it's a semester so it was always right. going to be sort of framed that way. But also once Kitty starts to worry about her grades, then we become even more focused on that borrowed time aspect. Mm-hmm. Even though she actually gets kicked out for indecorous behavior, right. not her grades. But <laughs> And we all know she's getting unkicked out, right? That's what that phone call is at the end of the, at the, end of the last episode. Oh, yeah. for sure. Okay, cool. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of montaging, especially in the episode where they go and <laughs> help those people with the flood. If I were those people, I'd be like, could I have someone, not a bunch of disaffected teenagers, but like someone who could actually help me, please? But Who were doing the least amount of anything. <laughs> I think nothing. Q picks up a tree and <laughs> nobody else does anything at all. My favorite moment is when Q picks up that, like, it's a log very carefully mm-hmm. placed on the path. And it's like the only thing and he picks it up. Anyway, they're not sure. that helpful. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Musicality, I really enjoyed the soundtrack for this series. That was one thing that really added a lot of fun and levity and light. So I think it worked really, really well. And Joe, I was going to ask you, you were going to do some reading and find out if we have stunt casting. I guess, I mean, Aiden is kind of, I know that's not his real name, but Kitty's dad is kind of stunt casting. But I'm wondering if there's any stunt casting in the, particularly in the adult cast. So the reason I was going to check was to see if any of the kids were K-pop famous. Oh, like if okay. they, no. And I, I took a look because I thought the likeliest candidate would either be Gia Kim, the actress who plays Yuri, but she's just a newcomer. And the other one I thought might be because his acting isn't quite up to par was Sang Hyung Lee, the guy who plays Minho. But apparently he has just been in Gran Turismo. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm tempted to give it to Yunjin Kim because mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. famous to me, but I don't know if that's actually accurate. Yeah, stunt casting is hard because technically, yeah, the dad does count. <laughs> yeah. Sure. We'll, we'll give it to John Corbett then. I guess he has a real name. His real name he is Aiden. A, he is, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would we say perfect date for any of these? I was trying to think. I really wanted a perfect date for Kitty and Day upon her arrival, but the drama starts so fast. I don't... They have that one moment. Get one. Okay. What have you got, Jenny? The dinner scene where they're, like, getting back together and, like, he does the surprise date for her. 
Oh, and it's like yeah. it looks like it's like sushi that he like orders in, and like the balloons are like all the glowy balloons. So it's like I thought that was pretty yes. cute. So that is there. Pretty cute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, no coincidental classes. The house porn isn't even that good. Like Yuri's mm-hmm. apartment is pretty nice, but it's not to the snuff with what we see in like hollywood films no and in fact it's mr lee's apartment that i actually want to live in <laughs> it looks nice so many books mm-hmm. um okay final other one i maybe had was the manic pixie dream person mm. do we want to say kitty is one you think it's kitty or Ziari? she's like doing the dj thing oh my god <laughs> I forgot that she DJs. <laughs> oh god, that DJing scene is so cheesy. Um, I don't think either of them are manic pixie dream people. I think if there's one thing the show actually does, it stops any of them from being like, you know, idealized in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that case, I will pivot and go for good friendship because I do think up until the cheating scandal, the relationship between Kitty and Q is actually really good. Oh, I love their friendship. It's probably the redeeming feature of a lot of the episodes, to be honest, for me. Okay. Well, it's close, but not quite a line. God darn you, Exo Kitty. <laughs> we tried. We tried. All right, Joe, should we talk about where we're heading next? Indeed, yes. So, Joe, this is one I'm excited for and I've been waiting for for a while. We finally have our adaptation of American Born Chinese, so we'll be looking mm-hmm. at that next week. I genuinely cannot wait. I loved this comic and I'm excited to talk about it with you. Indeed, yeah. I'm excited that the whole series is coming out all at once, so we're not going to have to wait. Yay! Cool. Okay, well, if people want to talk to us about that, Brenna, how would they get in touch? Okay, well, you can always find us on the Twitters at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B, still my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's Gray with an A. And for Book Club in particular, anything long form, you can send to the old mailbag. It's HKHSPod at gmail.com. Jenny, if people want to find you and tell you that you were right and we were wrong and the show was awesome, where do they find you? You can find me at Jenny Lee X33, and Lee is spelled L E I G H, and Jenny with a Y. Uh, across any platform Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um serialized because this is a tv show uh yeah i'm i'm there uh not as much on twitter these days though because it's Mm. breaking (laughs) oh yeah it's bad now that's why (laughs) it's really bad now (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh until next time i will see you on the page and i will see you on the screen obviously it's following the youngest sister, Kitty, played by Anna Carthcat, played by Anna Carthcart. Cathcart. name. Cathcart. Thank you. Like a 29, 30 minute series per episode or per like huh. a 20 to 39. Like, oh my God, I cannot talk. <laughs> <laughs> We're right there with you, Jenny. <laughs> and I think in general, no, I lost the thought completely. <laughs> nope, it's gone. <laughs>